0: In my many years of experience, I can tell you now that it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who comes to you saying they need a website or Facebook ads or maybe a mobile app developed, but they don't even realize the deeper challenge or opportunity that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I wanna invite you to apply for a YouGurus strategy call where we'll dig into those underlying issues and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your strategy call. Go to yougurus.com apply to start your application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com apply to get started. All right, let's introduce today's guest. hey what's up digital agency owners podcast listeners welcome to another episode of the digital agency show i'm your host brent weaver and uh welcome back from our off week over labor day um but we are joined today by gary henderson who is the owner of interactivity digital and digitalmarketing.org they're a full service digital marketing agency providing a mix of done-for-you services as well as consulting for businesses worldwide. They were named as the HubSpot 2017 Rookie Agency of the Year, have helped generate over $250 million in online revenue in the past eight years. Uh, and then a number that uh, Gary was very proud of is between 2013 and 2017, his agency did over $7.5 million in service billings with a relatively small team of less than 10 people on staff, over that period of time, and uh, I want to just tell you full disclosure. Uh, Gary was probably one of the key agencies that we leveraged here at YouGurus uh, to kind of get us into the age of Facebook advertising. And Gary uh, helped uh, me really shape my mindset around advertising, uh, or, you know, earning customers and how to show up in the right way online. And so I'm really honored to welcome Gary to the program. Hey, Brent, thank you very much. So. Uh, Let's, uh, let's start with, um, tell us a little bit about uh, your agency, Interactivity Digital slash digitalmarketing.org. I know if you go to interactivitydigital.com now, it goes to digitalmarketing.org, which is pretty cool that you have that domain name. Uh, but, but tell us a little bit about your agency today.
1: Yeah, so you know, I've been running the agency for just about 10 years, and we've went through a couple of um, evolutions or reinventions throughout the time. You know, when we started, just like most people that start an agency or consulting firm, we started with get whatever client you could and pay some bills. Um, I mean, even to the point that I used to put bills and associate them with the name of a client. So I knew when that client paid me, I could pay that bill.
0: <laughs> um, and is, it this, was just, is this like, like your I mean, your your mortgage or like your office rent? Like how far did that both,
1: go? <laughs> both. You know, it's... Um, it It paid everything. You know, it was my sole source of income. Um, I didn't have you know a full-time job when I started. I kind of went all in. Um, it It was everything. It was this is how I'm gonna pay the rent. this is how I'm gonna pay the cell phone bill. Even to the point that I knew when I hit a certain number, I could get my own office space because I was using the back of a real estate company's office that they let me use for a couple of months. And it had no windows. It was kind of like a little dungeon. Um, but it did give me a quiet place to work. So I ran that. I ran that throughout my life. You know, it was. I started with five thousand dollars in savings, and that's all I had. And my bills were about five thousand a month. So, so, so was,
0: was was starting the agency for you kind of out of out of necessity? You had these kind of uh, marketing skills, and you you thought, okay, I can I can do this on my own.
1: Um, sort of. So I started my first company at the age of nineteen. I'm 37 now, so about 18 years ago, and I had a silent partner, Angel Investor, and we mostly work for his companies that he owned. Um, we did some work with Ford Motor Companies and ATT and you know, some big companies, but it was mostly stuff that he had or he had a relationship with. And I did that for, about I don't know, maybe four or four and a half years, and then just was kind of burnt out and took a little break, um, came back in and did some... I was a VP of a sports marketing firm for about a year, was recruited to a local agency here in my town of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And I knew I wanted to start my own business. And about a year in, they looked at me and um, had they kind of heard that I was shopping around trying to find some investments and and trying to put together a capital raise to start a business and they let me go. So I really, (laughs) it was was out of necessity. I had nothing else to do. I, I took a contract with a web development firm for a year and they paid me 5k a month for one year and that let me kind of get my feet wet work out my non-compete all that stuff and then at the end of that one year um, it was October of 2009 when I officially you know started on my own on my own Um, so I left September of 2008 from the agency that I was in or that they chose to to make me leave Um, and then you know I started officially on my own as interactivity marketing in October of 2009 and when we started it was like I said it was just any client we could get and we had some big clients here in in our area you know we represented an airline and you know Myrtle Beach is a tourist town so we represented things like the aquarium you know or or some of the hotels or or the condos or the real estate companies and then we landed a, a rather large contract with a hotel chain and they represented um, a number of hotels and we took on about 35 hotel clients. And we did that for about 3 years and it was probably the worst 3 years of my business.
0: <laughs> wow, yeah, that sounds uh so, so what was what was bad about it? Just the that type of a client for you or um, the the pay?
1: Well, I learned something really important that I didn't know in business. So I didn't go to college and you know, I grew up with a single mom and she was a school teacher. So I don't really have entrepreneurs in my family. And I learned that you never want to have a single client represent a substantial percentage of your revenue. Mm. So this client was representing probably 50% of our revenue. And they were a management firm for multiple hotels. And what they would do is they would let certain bills kind of go late. We billed them every month, but they just wouldn't pay on time. And then at the end of the year, when they went to go reconcile, they would short us. We worked with them for two years, and they would short us anywhere from ten to twenty thousand dollars at the end of the year. Hmm. And you know, they paid us about thirty-five thousand a month. So, you know, ten to twenty thousand—that's not that much money. I understand that, but it was—it was almost a hostile environment. They would look at us and say you either take the loss on this 10 or 20 or we'll find someone else to do the work for us. So do you want the 35 we're going to pay you this month or do you want the 10 to 20 that you say I owe you from last year? Wow. That's, I mean, that's,
0: that's like the true kind of, uh, you know, vendor agency relationship where they just view you as a, a replaceable, a
1: replaceable team. Exactly. And I couldn't say anything about it because I had staff and expenses and payroll. I had built a business around one client.
0: So, so I am curious and, for our, our listeners. I mean, how did you how did you figure that out? I mean, did you have to go out and just find more clients and reduce them as a percentage, or did you say, "Screw this! I am I am going to find, you know, I am going to stop working with this client."
1: A bit of both. Um, I raised my rates. Number one. So not only did I go out and find different clients to reduce their percentage, but I charged those new clients more money. So I was able to cover their percentage quickly. And the more I covered the percentage, the more confident I got in standing my ground as far as invoices and bills and stuff like that were concerned. And I knew that I had you know a period of time before it became a big issue. And at the end of it, I I just landed in a nice spot i found a, a nice group of clients that were underserved that paid nice and just made the transition and we took about a 20 to 30 percent drop in income whenever i made the transition but i had saved some money and i put myself in a nice spot that i could i could ride that for a little while um, but that was kind of that first big reinvention and then you know i went into a space of of entrepreneurs and online educators and and all these types of people, and we were doing you know running Facebook ads for them and we were you know charging a couple grand a month and doing a bunch of services, and then as we built our portfolio in that space, I made a decision to go big, so we doubled, and then took another twenty five percent raise on our, our rates, so we went from a two and a three thousand dollar package to a $6,000 package, to a $7,500 package over a period of about 13 or 14 months. And as we raised the prices of our packages, we actually offered less services. And I know that seems counterintuitive, but what I learned, like one of my big takeaways through that evolution was, great clients value the transformation and the result that they receive, not the work that you perform. So as I raised my rates, I got bigger, more well-known, better clients, and they didn't value the fact that I worked, you know, thirty hours or forty or fifty hours a month, whatever the retainer was for. They valued the result that they got at the end of the day.
0: I was going to say, if you are so, going to if you are going to put yourself in that kind of situation where your 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 monthly billings are that
1: uh, that high, I mean, you you better be able to get results, right? I mean, it's, at that level, it's all about results. Exactly. And that's, you know, they didn't care. You know, I, I tried to have conversations with other clients, but the more well known clients, the clients that could support that type of budget, they didn't ask, how many hours did you work for me this week? They weren't, you know, worried about the nickel and dime. What they were worried about at the end of the day is, what did I spend and what was my return on my overarching business? And we ended up helping a ton of businesses hit the Inc. 500, 5000 list. Um, a ton of businesses get, you know, second, third years there um, and really change up a space and and bring a lot of light into a space and outside advice into a space that that no one really knew. So kind of shook up an industry, a couple of other agencies launched behind us that did the same thing, but it was all around making this big stance of don't pay me to turn on your light switch for you pay me because I know which light switch to turn on that will generate the results for you.
0: So, so how, just to, out of curiosity, um, be, being more results oriented and having, I assume you just had this $7,500 a month package and it was like, that was it. Cause I'm, I remember you going through this transition. Cause we, <laughs> I think we engaged you, I met you at a, a Eben Pagan event, um, in right. 2014. And, um, I think we engaged you pretty early on that year uh, and I remember, I think we were with you guys for almost it was like eighteen months maybe. And, and around mm-hmm. that time, when when uh, when we moved on, um, you were making this transition because I remember we yep. were kind of grandfathered in, uh, not at the seventy five hundred dollars rate, but you basically went to where you you kind of always had like one one service level that all of your clients were on, and. So, so how did you structure that? Like how, how do these clients, when you say, look, we're, we're all focused on results and you're going to pay me this much, like in, in the nuts and bolts of it, like what does that relationship look like?
1: It was a lot of, so in my younger days, I worked at Outback and the restaurant Outback. And Outback has this policy that it's no rules, just right. And I remember like one of the biggest things that stuck in my head is when I worked at Outback, they didn't have cocktail sauce for shrimp. Really weird. They just didn't have any. But if anyone, any of the customers or guests asked for cocktail sauce, you were to go in the back and make them cocktail sauce fresh. They had the ingredients. You just had to make it for them. And that's just the Outback way. So that's what I established inside my business. Every client needed something slightly different. So I would have a conversation with a client about where they were today, where they wanted to be tomorrow, what their goals were, and I would ask them what they needed or what they felt they needed to do to get there. And if I believed that I could help them get there, then I made them our flat fee $7,500 offer and I said, that's exactly what I do for you. And we went above and beyond in every client we worked with. There were some clients that we were really heavy into running paid traffic Some clients, we were more into, you know, doing landing page development or conversion optimization or organic search. Some clients was way more AdWords focused. So every client had a slightly different set of deliverables, but it all fit into this one package that said, we are your digital marketing team and we will help you achieve your goals.
0: Are there any challenges or unforeseen? I mean, I think (laughs) from a client perspective, I think that sounds great. It's kind of not all you can eat buffet, but uh, it's really about their results, the strategic plan that they want to have put in place. What's what's the thing that they ultimately want to achieve? Um, But, you know, I'm just trying to think about how to actually run that behind the scenes as an agency. Uh, I mean, at some level we have to, you have to limit how much work is going in. It's not like you can have a hundred people working on an account. Um, so how, how, how did you make that work? And was there any kind of unforeseen challenges or complications with approaching it that way?
1: Yeah. So there was some good and bad to it. And, and I've been learning the good and bad still today. Um, I made a decision for about, I don't know, maybe a couple months as we took our package to 7500 I had a contract. And I had a contract when we were at that two or $3,000 a month level. But I'm a person that if I have an agreement or a contract, I like to stick to it. And I learned pretty quickly that the industry that I was serving didn't really stick to their agreements and their contracts. Hmm. And I had an ethical problem with that because to me, if I'm going to ask you to sign a contract and you sign it, then you should stick to it and I should stick to it.
0: So it, it, I mean, can you just give me like an example, like what you mean? I mean, obviously, you don't you know, you like name people or whatever. But but what do you mean? Like you had a contract, and the the market you were serving didn't stick to their their side of the bargain.
1: Yeah. So at seventy five hundred dollars a month, we said you pay ninety thousand dollars for the year, whether you pay in full or you pay monthly, and these are the services you receive. And they would go six months, two months, five months whatever mm. time it was. And then they would decide either a, you did a wonderful job. I got everything I needed. So I'm ready to move on or B it didn't work out so well and I'm ready to move on. Mm. And I just couldn't get them to stick to paying me. You know, it just there was just no way I was going to, you know, be caught in litigation day in and day out. And it's not the way I wanted to live my life. So I made a decision that I was going to take all the burden of proof on me and I was going to go to a month-to-month agreement 100% of the time. No long-term contracts, no big setup fees, no commitments. And it was month-to-month on both sides of the equation. Mm. And there were clients. <laughs> so that's that's how I got through the, the workload. Because there were some clients that we actually build less than 7500 because we didn't have to work that hard for them. There were some clients where we build more because they wanted us to work hard. So the way I positioned it at the front end was, you know, 90% of our clients are at this $7,500 a month service package. And what we'll do is let's start working together. Let's date for a couple months. I want an energetic 90-day commitment. It's not a contractual commitment. You don't have to contractually commit. But I want your energy involved and I want you to say you're sticking with us for 90 days. And then we'll evaluate as we go through that period and we'll see how it's working for you, how it's working for me. We'll look at your results and see if your results are there. We'll make sure that you're doing your part and we're doing our part. And then we will adjust accordingly. If we need to go up in the retainer, we'll do that. If we need to go down, we'll do that. But about 90% of our clients stay just flat at that $7,500. And I never had any kickback whatsoever. Hmm. Because if I didn't perform, they didn't have to pay me next month. And my agreement said that. So it was up to me every single month to perform. That's where one of my biggest challenges came in. Because when clients come on board and you know, anyone listening to this, you've had that client that you know, it's, it's a hurry-up game. They've had, you know, they've waited so long or they've tried to pull their funding in place or whatever's happened and all of a sudden they pulled the trigger, they hired you. But now they need you to run in order to help them achieve their results because they don't have time to wait anymore.
0: Because they've already, you know, waited and pushed this decision off to hire outside help maybe uh, uh, a few months too long. So they, they need the results yesterday, right?
1: Exactly. So we would work with clients and we would go all in, you know, most of our clients had huge projects when they first came on board or, you know, big initiatives or these big goals and we would go all in and we would meet them. And then fast forward several months or a year, a year and a half. And those clients were in some sort of a maintenance mode because in my industry, it's very common to charge a percentage of revenue that you generate through your, marketing automation funnel or you know whatever you do in, in that capacity i just didn't do it so we would do all the work we would start generating all the results the companies would grow and grow and grow and then they would come in and say you are phenomenal we love you we're going to send you referrals and most of them did but we're going to move on and, and work with someone else because we don't see paying this high fee anymore because now we're just using what you gave us or what you built for us. So it it caused a big problem because, you know, you had this life cycle of you did a great job. You performed amazing. They were super happy with you. But they didn't value your services anymore because you already performed most of your services. And now you're into a a different level of service.
0: Did you um, or have you adjusted around that or is it just kind of how you operate that you just know that... Uh, you know, not every client is going to be forever and you're going to provide amazing results for six to 18 months and then it's kind of done? Or have you tried to, you know, continue to, you know, meet them where they're at in quote unquote maintenance mode?
1: Yeah. So I do a good bit of all that. So some clients we will take into a maintenance mode. Some clients, because we noticed that their ad spins kept growing. I mean, we manage, you know, we've, we've shrunk our client base now um, quite substantially just Work-life balance and stuff like that, some personal um, goals of mine. But you know, we're managing still, I don't know, probably two million a year or so in ad spend. So I started putting some percentages on the ad spend that we manage. So that was a way that you know, as the workload went down, their ad spend typically went up, which it takes more time and energy and effort to manage our ad spend. So we would say, you know, your seven thousand five hundred dollar retainer covers x management of ads and anything above and beyond that you pay x percentage so some clients it it weighed out that way some clients we pull a percentage of revenue you know we have a particular client now that they pay us or ninety thousand, and then we get five percent of everything they do above four and a half million dollars in revenue a year last year they did 4.6 so we know there's a small gap that we're going to do. We're projected this year to do 6 million. So if they do that, we still got our full annual retainer, plus we get a 5% bonus on top for what we're doing. So we're trying to build more long-lasting partnerships with clients rather than being just a service provider or vendor.
0: Something tells me a lot of our uh, listeners might have just perked up about this whole five percent bonus <laughs> rev share and and uh, making that happen with with clients. I know uh, uh, Ryan Levesque last year when he presented at our our you summit event uh, brought this up, right? Some kind of royalty agreement and the same thing. You yeah. know, everybody was like, "Ooh, what?" Um, so I'm I'm curious how do they uh, how does a, a business respond to you taking a percentage of revenue? um, uh, of, of their business? It
1: has to be a win-win and they have to think the risk is on you. And most of the time it is, but it makes you, you know, it's, I'm a really good salesperson. Like I'm not trying to be egotistical or conceited. I can, I can just sell stuff. And I've like, I remember one time a couple years ago, probably four years ago, had a lady that called me about three months into working together. And she says, Gary, I said, yes, (laughs) ma'am. She said, do you do internet marketing? I said, I do. She said, I can't pay you anymore. I said, but, but why? She said, well, I tell my clients that they shouldn't do internet marketing. I said, well, we've been doing it for you for the last three months. And we've had really good success. And she said, I know and I love it, but I can't pay you because I tell my people not to pay people like you. What? Because she had no clue for three months that we did internet marketing. (laughs) Because we just did it. So what I found now is I get way more selective in the clients that I choose to work with. So I vet them just as much as they vet me. I put very, very specific milestones in place. Um, One of my former clients taught me something from the music industry and it's called a sunsetting clause. And most of my agreements have one of, have what's called a sunsetting clause in there, which in the music industry, when you have a manager and you're a musician and you fire your manager, you can fire your manager at any point in time you choose. But based on how long you've worked together, that determines how long they have to pay you after they fire you. Most people like and respect that. And I do my sunset clauses in both directions. So if I terminate and stop working with the agency or with the client, I have to pay them for a period of time because I think it needs to be fair. And I usually find percentages that are, it's gonna push us and it's gonna stretch us. So I try to come up, I usually do a base plus. So you know, a retainer or a monthly fee plus a percentage. And I try to build that to where they feel super fair in the proper growth for their monthly percentage or for their monthly fee that they're paying. And then above and beyond that is the percentage comes in. That's also where I add in services that I don't necessarily bill them for, like content marketing, organic search, organic social media consulting. You know, Some of those types of services that they would have paid other vendors, we take those on and start doing them for them. And just help them grow their business and they see that value and they keep going. We still let them terminate us at any point in time uh, without penalty if we don't hit certain milestones and with penalty if we do because it's only fair. So it's it's typically a win-win. You know, I haven't had an issue where I've had some clients say, you know, I don't know about giving you some of my, you know, a percentage of revenue in what we pull in and those clients are just not the ideal fit for me for the way I do business. Those are the clients that I've found want to use you, abuse you, underpay you, ask you to overdeliver and then replace you just like you're a normal vendor that they can replace tomorrow.
0: This is a I mean this is definitely a fascinating way I hope our our listeners are taking uh copious notes or even just thinking about this in terms of how they choose to run uh, their agency. Because you don't hear every day that agencies are able to, to take a, a percentage of revenue. And I think, uh, I, I know for a fact, you're the first agency owner that I've talked to that has had um, a sunsetting clause. And, and it literally like a penalty for not providing results or for choosing to, uh, you know, end an agreement um, based on not being able to get uh, results, which I think is kind of what you were saying there. If you're not able to help them hit those goals, then it goes both ways. And and, and exactly. you literally have skin in the game, which I think, uh, you know probably makes a lot of agency owners maybe sweat a little bit that they're they, they might not be bought a hundred percent to what their clients' business is they're just kind of a gun for hire whereas it sounds like you're you take their business very seriously and almost uh, in a way you look at it as part of your own business, which I think is a a much bolder way um, I mean higher risk
1: for sure of how you run your business so this is this is fascinating Gary yeah, and you can't do it with everyone you know you still have bills to pay. So you're still going to have some clients that are just paying you and you're that hired gun, as you called it. But if you take on one risky client, you know, I look at it like, you know, an investment portfolio. You know, you look at this and you set your goals and you set your, you know, your business objectives when you're doing your planning. And, you know, it's the same thing you do with investments. Sometimes, you know, you look and you take some risky investments, especially if you have a long-term plan sometimes you go super conservative but more than more times than not you do a mix of both and if you're sitting here and this does pique your interest when you're listening to this that's what I recommend is find that client or find that that company and take a little risk on them you know I took a risk on a, a political candidate and they were running for um, an office in Washington they ended up having to drop out due to some health issues but my deal with them was if you are elected to office, you pay me $100,000 cash upon election. <laughs> <laughs> that was and awesome. I charged a super low retainer to help them get elected because, you know, when you're running for political office, that's all you care about is winning the election. You don't care how hard somebody works or how hard they don't work because, at the end of the day, if you don't win the office, then it was all a failure. And that's what I did I, I positioned it as here's enough so we can maintain and get us to you know cover some of our hard costs and I made them contractually sign on like how much money they were going to spend on their advertising so I felt good I did my research to feel good about uh, and the candidate wasn't even in my state they were you know several probably 7 800 miles away from me but I did my research to find out that I thought the candidate had a really good chance of winning it aligned with my political beliefs And it was fun. You know, it was how many people can say that they got to work on a U.S. senator campaign? Not many. You know, how many people can say that they helped swing a state in the direction that they wanted to swing a state? Not many. So it was fun. It piqued my interest. It piqued my team's interest. And if the client wouldn't have had the medical issues and had to drop out of the race, it would have been an amazing reward at the end of the day if they would have been elected.
0: I mean, yeah, besides the 100K, but also just being able to participate in something uh, like that. I mean, that, that's that's kind of different than your
1: everyday everyday client. Yeah, so if you don't service political candidates, and you believe in politics, and you like politics, then, you know, maybe you take a risk on someone like that. So you're not, you know, the biggest advice I can give you if, if you want to try this, or you want to try to tip your toes into this, is don't... Do it in the industry where you're pulling your primary revenue from. So if you serve, you know, in, in your clients or restaurants and hospitality, don't do it in that space. Do it in a totally different space. So that way if it if it goes great, then awesome. You may have opened up a new <laughs> revenue stream. If it doesn't go good, that's okay. You still have your bread and butter.
0: Yeah, that's great. Uh, Gary, earlier, uh, I wanted to make sure we we touched on this because you kind of alluded to it, and I wanted to, to bring us back there. Uh, you mentioned kind of this phrase, work-life balance. You also mentioned something uh, very interesting that I don't hear very often, that you are actively trying to shrink your client base, Uh which is not something that you know we hear on this program very often. And I just generally don't hear that. So, uh, talk to me. What, what does that mean? What does what does shrink your client base mean for you? And 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 what why
1: is work life balance important for you? Yeah. So I went through a divorce in 2015. Um, started the divorce process, and prior to that process, I was the normal breadwinner of the family. My ex-wife was a stay-at-home mom. I had two kids. Uh, My son is 10 now, almost 11. My daughter just turned seven. So that's about three years ago. So she was four. He was seven going on eight. And, you know, I was on an airplane. You know, I met you at an event. You know, Steve, your partner, came to some events that I hosted. You know, I I was traveling a lot. I was working a lot. I was the normal growing an agency. I would wake up early in the morning and work. I would go, you know, my ex-wife would take the kids to school. I would go or to take care of wherever they went. I would go to work. I would come home. I would eat dinner. And then I would work a couple more hours while I was quote unquote spending quality time with my ex-wife watching TV or whatever we were doing, but I was working. And when I started my divorce process in 2015, I, I made a life choice that said, I don't want to miss out on life. You know, the most valuable asset that we have and the one thing that we'll never ever have any more of is time. And I've had, you know, recently some friends pass away pretty unexpectedly. And, you know, it's, we can never get back, you know, yesterday. You know, the the 30 minutes that we've been talking, we'll never have that 30 minutes again. So I really took a lot of time into building the priorities of my life. And I I shrunk my team. You know, right now it's, myself, my new wife, and one employee, and that's it. There's three of us and that's that's all we have because as I wanted to get out of having to work so hard, I needed to cut staff and I needed to cut clients in order for it to all balance out because I realized if I was going to go into these partnerships or these you know, revenue share and get deeply invested with clients, I needed to intimately know their business. And you can only intimately know so many people's business. You know, it's just not, you can't know 30 different businesses. And I found, I had a wonderful staff, but I found that they didn't have the same strategy mind that I did. They were great workers and they could implement what I would tell them to implement, but I couldn't get deep with the clients the way I wanted. So I went through a transition from really 2000, I'd say late 2015, early 2016 into now of... And we're still going there into, you know, slowly eliminating some staff, slowly helping them find new jobs. Most of my team got full-time placements with our current clients and slowly eliminating clients and working out, you know, of the old relationships that were more, you know, gun for hire type relationships. And, you know, now I, I work out of my house and we still do a big business. You know, I know you mentioned in... The beginning of the intro that, you know, we were named the 2017 HubSpot Rookie Agency of the Year. Now, we did this. We're the fastest HubSpot partner, according to my rep, to ever become platinum. And it doesn't happen. They don't see that. And we did it with three people. Hmm. And now we get, I mean, I get a $15,000 a quarter um, bank wire from HubSpot in commissions from selling their software. And I do it because it makes sense. I like their software and it's a great revenue stream for me. You know, it's 60 grand a year and and just passive income. We're getting paid from clients we don't work with anymore because we get their commissions. So I got somewhat strategic in how we were going to pull our income. I wanted to be able to take at any point in time, take an afternoon off and enjoy it with the kids or You know, go play a board game in the middle of the day with the kids or, you know, just take a day and and enjoy the day with my wife and not have to worry that the whole business was going to collapse and not feel like I had so much pressure on me. And my life is like, I'm just in a better place personally. And that was way more important to me than having this, you know, our biggest year we did 2.5 million, 2.4, almost 2.5 million in service billings, our biggest year. And, you know, this year we'll do drastically less than that. And I am way happier. (laughs) Um, It just, you know, it was kind of one of those things like I did it. You know, everybody says it's really tough to break that seven figure mark. And, you know, when you do it, it's not as big of a deal as you thought it was going to be. And it's even tougher to do it a second year. And we did it four years in a row. And it wasn't like that wasn't my challenge anymore. I didn't need to break the seven-figure mark again. I didn't need to go get new staff. I didn't need to, you know, have the constant push of having to jump on an airplane to go meet with clients, to pick up another client so I could pay another employee's payroll. Just wasn't what I wanted to do anymore. So, you know, we took more of a a consulting role with clients. We do, you know, we're launching an educational platform for consumers so they can learn how to do their own ads and their own, you know, marketing themselves. Because I see so many companies that can only afford, a, you know, a $1,000 a month in ad spend. And they're paying someone $1,000 a month to manage that $1,000 a month in ad spend. Where if they would take that $2,000 that they have available and, and go spend it on doing it themselves, then maybe they would grow into being something bigger that they could have an agency really help them with. where they take that money and... You know, hire someone to set up their account for them or consult with them rather than paying someone to do it. Um, So, you know, doing some stuff like that, doing more project base. So, you know, we have a client, I just got an email from her today. She's got a new book coming out. Um, It's published by Wiley. It's a big publisher. And Wiley told her that she has pre-sold more books than any other book they've seen in years that they've published. And, you know, it was a limited engagement with a client. We're coming in, you know, for six months and helping her do a book launch. You know, and that's, you know, we've done some things like that that have been pretty fun so we can get in, deliver some great results and then walk out at the end of the day. And and it's a, it's a win for everybody. But, you know, having the space to be creative, having the space to stop and have a cup of coffee or go to lunch or play a board game with the kids, you know, they're, they're not going to be this age anymore I'm not going to be this age anymore and and none of us are promised tomorrow. I mean my mother about 12 months ago my mother was diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer and she's she was 59 when she was diagnosed. Or sorry, 50. Yeah, 59 when she was diagnosed. So super young. And you know, I've been at the mass majority of her doctor's appointments that are 4 hours away. Those are the things that I'll never get back. You know, I'll never I'm not going to sit here one day and say, "Man, I I did another 2 million dollar year. Yay me." and miss every other aspect of, of the things that are important in my life.
0: It's a really powerful, uh, powerful story, Gary. And I, I appreciate you opening up, uh, kind of the back of the house of not just the business, but talking about some of that, um, those values that you have. And I think I, I hope that our listeners are, are, are listening intently to that message, uh, in making sure that they, uh, they, they keep that balance, and I think it's good to hear that from somebody who's who's maybe had what a lot of people are pursuing, and and not to say that it's not like worth a worthy pursuit, but um, just to to make sure people are aware that there's there's other stuff going on there. Um, yeah. Gary, do you have a, a few moments for us to, to end out with our lightning round? Yeah, most definitely so. All right,
1: uh, what is the best advice you've ever received? Um, a couple pieces. So. A mentor of mine told me that everyone needs a package and everyone wants a package because I used to do all these custom proposals. And when I created a package, that's when my business really grew. And I fault and fault and fault that mentor. So if you don't have a package, create a package and make it easy for people to buy your products, programs, or services. So that was, I'd say that was the most pivotal moment in, in the growth of my business and and the what gave me what I could have today.
0: So create a package and make it easy for people to to buy said package?
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, I was meeting with people and asking them, you know, well, what do you need and putting these big proposals together. And it was just this long drawn out. I mean, I went in and pitched Dollywood, Community Coffee, and NBC all in one year. And I would have won all three of those accounts. Community Coffee had a $250 million um, digital budget. NBC was a relaunch of their brand as the MSNBC brand was leaving. And then Dollywood was opening a new hotel in Pigeon Forge. But I ran a small company, so they picked bigger agencies. And I decided at that moment, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to go do the the spec creative work that agencies do. I'm not going to go in and give all my ideas away for free. I'm going to take a different stance. And I'm going to create a package. I'm going to talk and put myself into an opportunity to have conversations with my ideal clients. And I'm going to work my tail off when they say yes to me and, and show them why they said yes. And if I would have never created that package, I would have been caught in the the cycle of, of pitching and pitching and pitching and pitching.
0: Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success?
1: I would say self-discipline. Um, I'm amazingly self-disciplined and it's it's just my body. I mean, this morning, Brent, I was up at 2 a.m. East Coast time working. And I know I talk about work-life balance, but I also played three games of Rummy with my wife today and I had some hot wings and I sat outside by the pool for about two hours. So I did all those things, but I knew I had a bunch of work I needed to get done today. I had some personal appointments yesterday and I didn't set an alarm. I just woke up. And when I woke up and I looked at the clock and I laid there for a few minutes, I said, you know, I feel pretty good. I got enough sleep. I'm going to get up and get to work. And I worked, I love my early morning hours. I get so much done before anyone else in the house wakes up. But I worked from about two to seven before my wife woke up this morning. And it was five hours of uninterrupted work and I got so much stuff done. So I'd say the self-discipline of setting my own plan, setting my own schedule, and a lot of people can't do that, and just being disciplined enough to actually follow through with the deadlines that I've set for myself.
0: Can you share an internet resource or tool or app that you use that you think our listeners would find
1: valuable? Internet resource tool or app. I use a ton of them. Um, you know, For digital marketing, I've been using Ahrefs a good bit um, to do a bunch of research on organic search and content marketing. Um, so it's ahrefs.com. I use Slack very religiously, um, and then you know beyond that, I, I do all my calls just as we are here on a on a Zoom call, and then I'm a huge advocate of the, the HubSpot suite, and I think they've just done a phenomenal job of building out a platform that's that's agency friendly and and customer friendly and and does an amazing job of building um, long-term, lifelong customers.
0: We'll make sure to link out to all of those in our show notes. Check that out at at yougurus.com slash podcast. Uh, Gary, what book would you recommend and why?
1: So it's probably weird, but there's a book. um, I was trying to see if it was on my shelf. Yeah, it's right here. So it's a little book. It's called The Win Without Pitching Manifesto. And it's by Blair Inns. And I say I recommend this book I've made it through maybe the first 20 pages of the book. And, you know, it goes back to the advice I got. And it's one of the most, I guess, the, you know, page 16, it says, the world does not need another general design firm. There are enough full service advertising agencies and marketing communication firms. The world is drowning in undifferentiated creative businesses. What the world needs, what the better clients are willing to pay for, and what our people want to develop and deliver is deep expertise. Expertise is the only valid basis for differentiating ourselves from the competition. And that is those couple sentences is the premise of what I've built today and how like one of the biggest principles that I live in my life today. So I've only made it about 20 pages in, but it's an amazing (laughs) book. (laughs) <laughs> we we, we're, we
0: are Blair, Blair N's fans. He, he's definitely been on, on the show. We'll, uh, we'll reference back to that interview for those of you that uh, want to catch up on Blair and also we'll link out to his book. Uh, thank you for that, that book recommendation, Gary. Blair's uh, got some fantastic content out there. Uh, how can our audience find out more about you? Do you have anything that they can check out?
1: Yeah, I mean, just going to digitalmarketing.org, we we put a pretty good bit of content out. Um, we're going to be putting more and more So that's, you know, the best place to, you know, read our blog and follow what we're doing. And we share a bunch of good stuff there. Um, You know, follow me on Facebook at Gary Henderson. And, you know, I I just, I do a lot to serve. I do a lot to help. I jump on calls with people all the time. Um, You know, I, a former, or I guess a a different agency partner was trying to close a deal with HubSpot and I jumped on and helped them close it. You know, I I like to help people and I like to serve and, and build relationships, so. You know, if if you're if you're sitting there and you've got a question or you need something, feel free to reach out.
0: Awesome. Well, we will link out to digitalmarketing.org uh, as well as your Facebook uh, profile. So if you all. Uh, liked Gary's message today, want to connect with him, make sure you follow up and do that. Make sure you check out his content, check out his uh, social page. I do enjoy personally following you on social media. So you've got a lot of great uh, material that you put out there. Uh, You mentioned hanging out of your pool. I got to watch your pool being built. So I feel like I'm a part of that story. I'm glad to hear that you're getting time uh, out there by that pool. Gary, thank you so much for hanging out with us today on the Digital Agency Show.
1: Oh, thank you, Brent, for having me.
0: And that is our program for this week. Uh, Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming at you to help you grow your digital agency so that you can uh, empower you to achieve the freedom you want in your business and life. Until then, I'm Brent Weaver. Thanks again for tuning in to the Digital Agency Show. Before we close out, I wanted to check in on your answer to my question from the beginning of the episode. Are you stressed out? Cash crunched?